Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Premier League is back. Excitement as Old Trafford welcomes the former star they feel will guarantee United success, Newcastle manager Steve Bruce. Plus, are you ready for a bottom two battle between Norwich and Arsenal? And more importantly, are they? There's internationals from England having problems at the polls to Spain facing Kosovo, a national team their government don't even recognise, sort of like Gavin Williamson, but multiplied a bit. All the details on those stories and more in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Yeah, hello, listener. It's Thursday the 9th of September and raring to go in Team Totally branded tracksuits are Duncan Alexander. Hello, Duncan. Hello, James. Also here, Adrian Clark. Hello. Excited to get another start. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. No, we're, we're excited, Adrian, as indeed we are at the presence of Nuruddin Chowdhury, uh, a.k.a. Noz, a.k.a. Bearded Genius, newly of Project Football. Noz. Yeah, that's right. I like the way I've got so many AKAs, like I'm some sort of rapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in many ways, you, you represent a, a you know, similar, similar kind of cultural entity, well, I well, feel. well, that's it. I, like, I, I, I bring a little, little bit of diversity to, to proceedings. Tick. Um, <laughs> project, <laughs> project Football, by the way. It's, you know, just in case anyone thinks that's one of those, like the sort of name you hear at Sky Sports in December when big clubs are deciding <laughs> they're going to slim the league down to five teams and take all the money or whatever. That's not what Project Football is. No, no, it's uh, it's basically uh, looking at football and social, basically um, creating, create, basically just creating banging content. Like the way I think of it is I'd like to do to football and social media um, what iPhones did for the mobile phone, that mm. kind of thing. Not, not, not too destroy sort of ambitious, but yeah, yeah, destroy humanity, and you have to pay extra for everything, <laughs> and yeah. everything's exclusive. <laughs> so, so far, I, I've got to say, I've, I've enjoyed the content a lot. Um, the Jao Cancelo double nutmeg was extraordinary. What, what would be your favourite if you wanted to point people at one of the kind of japes or memes or bits of content on Project Football? What would your favourite bit be so far? Um, I mean, we, we're just starting out, but like, uh, I had a bit of fun with uh, Gavin Williamson, obviously, uh, with his mistaken identity. Um, we put a picture of of uh, Dominic Raab up and uh, played it straight, and uh, we, we, had, we had quite a few people saying, actually, that's that's not Gavin Williamson. But yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's been good. Got got loads of exciting plans and uh, and yeah. Um, see how it goes. I, th- I, I like to think that I like to think that me joining uh, Project Football is like the biggest sign of the season, close season. Um, I don't think there's anything been anything else to to compare really. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, there's plenty to discuss today. We've got the international break, and also uh, perhaps you're more excited by the return of club football, although not for some players. 
Indeed, it seems as though the international break will continue for certain stars who didn't go to their international fixtures and as a result facing FIFA bans. We'll discuss that uh, as we as we come to those relevant games. But the fixtures are Palace Spurs getting things underway Saturday lunchtime. Then there's six games at three o'clock. You've got Watford Wolves, Brentford Brighton. Less alliteratively, there's uh, Man United, Newcastle, Saints West Ham, Leicester, Man City and Arsenal Norwich in the battle of the bottom two. Saturday tea time, it's a date for Chelsea and Villa. There's just one game on Sunday, but it's a potentially epic lead to Liverpool. And on Monday evening, drama, thy name is Everton Burnley. Uh, only one place to start. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Old Trafford, by the way. Man United taking on Newcastle there Saturday at three o'clock. Hey, let's talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. Noz, are you going along to, to this second coming? I'm not, because funnily enough, uh, my usual source of tickets uh, was out. Um, there's, there's, there's slightly more demand than usual. Um, I was hope, I was really hoping there was there was a bit of talk that uh, Ronaldo wouldn't be making his uh, his debut on on, New, on 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 the weekend. So I was really hoping that happened, but uh, yeah, alas. It's happening, and uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's also like like from my point of view, it's slightly conflict. I've got slightly conflicted opinions uh, because of uh, stuff that's obvious on and off the pitch. But um, mm. the thing the thing I find interesting is without without sort of going into detail about anything. Um, I think it's okay to have mixed feelings. I think a lot of people are rightly excited about this amazing player playing for their club. And there's people who are excited, but at the same time conflicted about other things. And personally, like I, th- I think that's fine. I think it's fine to have those two thoughts in your head at the same time. What, what I find a little bit strange is if anyone... Um, highlights um, anything that confuses matters or or sort of tempers that enthusiasm. People who are excited, other people who are, who are excited, um, hate that. It's almost as if they don't want to think about other things that complicate their excitement. Um, and I just find that a little bit strange just because I think it's okay. I think it's okay to have conflicting sort of thoughts about things. And um, like, it's it's like, it's a little bit like I am a Smiths fan and I was a Morrissey fan. And right. I feel conflicted <laughs> about that. It's not making any judgment. It's just having right. um, a, a conflicting view of a situation. I think I think mm. that's absolutely fine. And again, like okay. like I know I, I know you discussed it last week, and you quite rightly said every time Ronaldo's mentioned, you can't go into everything. Uh, otherwise, you'd never have a have a, a chat about football. But um, but yeah, I just I, I think it, I think it's fine to be massively excited that this amazing players. Uh, coming to your club whilst also having a, having a conscience about it. Even taking those specific issues aside, there's been a weird uh, thing with Messi and Ronaldo over the last decade where they're, I mean, I, we don't remember the, the Stones and the Beatles, but it's become this kind of in, insanely polarised thing so that, you know, if you're a Messi fan, a certain type mm. of Messi fan, then anything Ronaldo does, you you automatically have to dismiss, and vice versa. And it's a it's quite a strange thing to see that come to the Premier League with Ronaldo, because obviously when he left in 2009, social media was a was a relatively new thing. So um, it was before you know, Project but, Football, for example. It was before Project Football, but I think prepare yourself for the amount of times you're going to read Penaldo in the next six months because it, it's coming. But 
you you mentioned not, not the fact that there are off-field concerns, but also on-field concerns as well. With the you know Man United's answer to Morrissey uh, returning to the, the team, a couple of listeners raising raising issues here. Uh, Spuds in water saying, "Is Cristiano Ronaldo the new Alexis Sanchez, an aging player you have evidently haven't planned for and don't really need?" Dan Lewis, meanwhile, asking what things are statistically more likely to happen this week than free kick specialist Ronaldo scoring a free kick. Adrian, how how seamlessly do you think he's going to slot in? And do you see him as a as a as a massive positive for United? Yeah, look, I think from a tactical angle, his arrival brings with it certain limitations, but they've re-signed a player that hugely reinforces. Their attacking strengths. If Cristiano Ronaldo had signed for a team that were notorious for pressing the opposition and squeezing inside the opposition half and defending from the front, then it would be a big problem. It could derail everything that they've worked on because Cristiano Ronaldo won't do that. He'll walk around until the ball comes near him and then he'll come alive and it'll make the difference. With United, they weren't like that. They haven't been a pressing side. They're, they're more than happy to sit off and let teams come at them so that they can then strike hard and fast. So I don't think it's going to derail anything. It it will block the pathway of Mason Greenwood as a centre forward, potentially. Um, It will limit Cavani's game time, but he's a goal muncher. He averaged 5.4 shots a game. He, He was Serie A's top scorer last season. He scored 55% of his goals with his right foot. 24% 24% with his head, 21% with his left foot. So he's one of the most adaptable finishers in world football as well. Providing Man United get the service right, he's going to he's going to challenge for the golden boot. He's going to be great. The only thing I would counter that slightly with is that United, um, they are a counter-attacking team generally at the moment. And they're the only team to average fewer than two men in the box from open play crosses. And as you pointed out, you know, Ronaldo's headed ability is one of his main strengths now. So so they might have to adapt a little bit there. But um, the thing with Mason Greenwood is funny because Ronaldo is, he is older than the first episode of Saint and Greavesy, but Mason Greenwood is younger than the ITV tactics truck. So if you want to see how time elapses, there's a good example. Right. You compared him in a piece, Duncan, this week, not to Morrissey, uniquely, but to Sir Stanley Matthews. Yes, it was a piece about can players still do it at this age. And obviously, um, historically, uh, the best player over 36 in terms of goals is uh, Gianfranco Zola, who got 14 in his last season at Chelsea, the season that basically snuck Chelsea into the Champions League and convinced Abramovich to buy Chelsea and et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I would imagine, as Adrian said, that Ronaldo will get more than 14 goals and therefore become officially the the greatest pensioner since Sir Stanley Matthews. I find it, uh, in some ways, obviously, it's it's a no-brainer, but in, in, in other ways, I find it slightly strange that United went for it, just in terms of they they got rid of Lukaku. And that was in spite of Lukaku having a having a good goal scoring record for United and having obvious qualities. But it was kind of decided that the attacks going through Lukaku sort of slowed things down, and there was various things that weren't working, and it didn't fit into what Solskjaer wanted to, to do. It, it, there could easily be a situation with Ronaldo where he scores a bucket load of goals, so it's good for Ronaldo because because he scores loads of goals. But 
it essentially everything funnels through him and everything mm. and every, everyone has to accommodate him and, and so it might not be as good for United as it is for Ronaldo and and looking at his goal scoring this season in isolation might look great but not for the team as a, as a whole and and again like another thing is attitude it'll be interesting to see what kind of Ronaldo plays for United because a lot of people are, say, are saying it'll just lift everyone in terms of training in terms of the professionalism and and the winning sort of mentality but also, if things aren't going right for Ronaldo, he's the most petulant person. And, and like the flappy arms, like I, I'm, I'm wondering the, the first time Wan Bissaka misplaces a cross, like will the flappy arms come out? And that, and and that can that can really affect people. There, there was a, I think there was a point with Thierry Henry where where he was almost intimidating to the rest of the Arsenal team just because he was so good, and and also got frustrated because not everyone was on his level. So. It'll be interesting to see how Ronaldo affects the team in that respect. Yeah, Ian, Ian Wright flapped his arms to me once in, in 95, 96. And yeah, I can still think about it. Yeah, it's it's a killer. Yeah. I mean, in that example, he was right to do so. But... <laughs> Always. Newcastle turning up at Old Trafford three o'clock on Saturday. By the way, uh, the last time Ronaldo actually faced Newcastle at that ground... He scored the first of his 51 career hat-tricks. That was back in January 2008. That's his only ever Premier League hat-trick. He's currently one hat-trick in the Premier League behind uh, Kevin Nolan, who is a millennial technically based on age. So there you go. Also famous for flapping his arms, of course, for Kevin Nolan. Uh, the Magpies <laughs> oh, yeah. are waiting for their first win of the season. They've only won one of their last 38 league visits to Old Trafford. That was for Alan Pardew's Newcastle against David Moyes' United in 2013. And to make matters worse, as it stands, they won't be able to use Miguel Almiron. And double whammy, they probably won't be facing Fred either. Those are two of the players for whom international break is set to continue. The Premier League club's appealing, I think, to FIFA because the various FAs of, 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 of countries that uh, Premier League sides haven't uh, released their players to have called on FIFA to ban uh, the or suspend the players for the subsequent uh, league fixture. Players not released for an international window can be banned for five days after the window ends under FIFA regulations. Appeals are underway, we understand, so that might change. But as it stands, that's going to have quite an impact uh, on this weekend. Uh, what do you make of uh, Newcastle? Any chance of uh, spoiling this kind of soft launch for Ronaldo? I think if if you wanted to have a Premier League debut or return against anyone, it would be Newcastle, just because they themselves kind of you speak to any Newcastle fan, like like they, they they've already sort of conceded, um, and it's a it's a case case of damage limitation. But that those are exactly the kind of games that that go wrong, like everything set up for United United to win, Ronaldo to score uh, a brace or whatever, and uh, and sort of Steve Bruce to be very kind and uh, polite about United afterwards. But it doesn't always work out like that. Kind of does though in Newcastle's case. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah. fairy tales don't happen there. Even though they're trying to sort of make the dream real by signing signing Santiago Munoz. Um, is it Munoz? I'm tr- I'm just trying to I'm just trying to crowbar my name into his name. Is it Munoz? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So uh, you never know. I'm just slightly confused. You were talking about um, the players that can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand it, if if the players do play, say say Newcastle and United both play their Brazilians, I believe that the punishment is a three nil uh, automatic three nil loss. What about right. if both teams 
both teams play the players. Like, what's the result? What's the goal difference? What happens? 3-3 three, three draw, isn't it? Greatest league in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldo will claim United's three goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's an interesting question, uh, Nuruddin. That's, um, that's one that we'll, we'll have to look into. Well, much more to come from the uh, Premier League... Uh, exciting set of fixtures on the way. But next up, let's let's tackle the midweek internationals, uh, asking big questions like, is Gareth Southgate just Ollie with a waistcoat? Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the <coughs> paddy power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tuesday and Wednesday saw this set of World Cup qualifiers concluding in Europe, although they're still going on in South America, curiously. Uh, headlines anyway. Italy made it a record 37 games unbeaten with a 5-0 win against Lithuania. And Netherlands got revenge for that shock defeat back in the spring in Istanbul by beating Turkey uh, back in Amsterdam, 6-1, Memphis Depay with a hat-trick. Hat-trick as well for Erling Haaland in Norway's 5-1 win over Gibraltar. The Danes beat Israel 5-0. They're now the only side with a perfect record because England dropped points away in Poland. 1-1 draw in Warsaw. This was Wednesday night. I think we all saw this. Kane put England ahead kind of out of nowhere with that... Uh, Wonderful curling shot. Then a stoppage time equaliser for the hosts after Jakob Moda skipped past a walker like Sheriff Rick in his prime, uh, finding Lewandowski, who then uh, puts in the provider to Damien Szymanski uh, for the equaliser. Only the second goal that England have conceded in qualifying, and they both came against Poland. Now, um, Adrian, Gareth no longer turns you on. We, we, we know this. Are you going to have a go about the fact that he didn't make any subs? No, I don't think it's worth us berating him particularly. It was strange. And I do feel that Gareth Southgate kind of freezes during the course of matches. I don't know if he's so into it that he just forgets to to make these changes. He's so absorbed in the action. Or whether this is something that it's a trust issue with, with some of the guys that he's got on the bench. It shouldn't be. Because I, I don't remember an England squad being as as strong as this really depth wise so he's got players that he can call upon in my opinion and, and trust so now I found it strange but had Poland not not scored that goal we probably wouldn't have been that worried about it I thought England were flagging a little bit just in the lead up to that goal so I would have made the changes if only to be honest to disrupt the game because Poland had a bit of a head of steam we had the the, the one goal lead what I think a savvy head coach, and you know my views on this, Gareth Southgate is not a savvy head coach. What a savvy head coach would do is break up the rhythm and suddenly put on a sub with 15 minutes to go and then three minutes later, chuck on another one and then towards the end, maybe a third. He could have put five on, of course. He could have absolutely killed any momentum that Poland had and he didn't see that. He didn't. That didn't come into his mind 
But but I'm not surprised it didn't come into his mind because I think his in-game management is as mediocre as it gets, really. So, so yeah, look, I'm not going to hammer him too much. I probably just have. Well, you just um, kind of have, really. But, 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 yeah, I hate it, to hear the hammering. It was, it, was, it, was it was something we could, we could sort of criticise him for, wasn't it? No doubt about it. Right. Well, we could praise him equally for the fact that these are the first points that England have dropped in these matches so far, that he has got England to a World Cup semi-final and then a Euro final. But there are those who... Who take your uh, your side of the the the, uh, the argument? United iconic, are tweeting in on a similar theme, saying, "Is Southgate just Ollie with a waistcoat? Lack of substitutions, an insistence on playing a double pivot will only get you so far and no more. Good man manager, but tactically limited. Relies on individual brilliance, etc. Is that a fair comparison? Do you think? I, I think Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer is a better tactician than than the majority of people in this country. I, th- I think he's had some really good tactical well, yeah, moments. So, I, I, well, in the country, yeah, like people walk in the country, <laughs> that's, go, that's that's even but, more dumbing than when you went in on Southgate. Keith, he works at the zoo. He can't organise a team so well. I'm gonna uh, just say, I thought for the for the most part, it was a good game. England's attitude was great. I thought the energy was good. There was loads to like about that performance. It was a tough game. They drew it. It's not not the end of the world. I had to watch it in my new way of coping with international football post all the horribleness of of the Euros, which is um, social media off, sound virtually off, no glasses on so I can just make out patterns rather than individuals. And (laughs) I actually really really enjoyed the game. It was... um, in that context, it was a kind of reminded me of a kind of Roy of the Rovers sort of thing, where you had Harry Kane as the sort of Roy of the Rovers figure against the crack Eastern European outfit with their equivalent of Roy of the Rovers, who was Lewandowski, and it was like who was going to get the the better of the game. And and Poland basically ended the the match playing like hatchet men from a cartoon. They were committing so many fouls, and I think that backs up Agent's point of that's when you should have been making some changes to to slow it down. But I mean, Kane and Grealish got flipped over a lot of times in that game and Grealish was getting increasingly um, upset about it so Grealish is increasingly like a kind of running back in American football now it gets the ball <laughs> makes maybe three four yards then goes down for the set piece yeah there was like interminable triangles between Shaw Grealish and Mason Mount on the left flank just back and forth and basically because there was no one in the box and again this is kind of left over from the Euros is that England need to be more confident and need to be a bit more attacking because I know, I know that's Poland's 20th home game, home qualifier without defeat. So it's not an easy place to go. Mm. But at the same time, it didn't matter really if England lost. So they might as well just go and try and win it rather than, you know, edge a, edge a 1-0. So. Nils, what do you think? Are you, are you going to stick up for Gareth? Are you, are you happy with this result? I mean, I, I, I do think that um, it's one of those things. Obviously, like a goal makes a massive difference, but if if uh, Lewandowski hadn't produced that amazing cross, um, then and and they'd not scored, like it would have been a really professional performance, and everyone would have been praising it. I think Southgate's England is what it is. It's it's safety first, which you kind of need to be um, at international football. Like like people want to be entertained a bit more because of the players involved. But um, that's that's the kind of manager he is, and and you kind of accept accept it for that. Um, I do think it's interesting. You, you talked about Grealish and and how he performs for England. It was it was it was it was exactly that. It was very telling that sort of like it almost it's almost become. It used to be a tactic from opposition managers to foul uh, Grealish and spread out the fouls so nobody gets sent off. But now it almost seems as if like it's a tactic for the teams that have Grealish 
to to get him in those positions, and he will he will he will conjure up a foul. Um, there's also a creeping flappiness to his game as well, um, although it's more towards the uh, more towards the referee. But uh, but yeah, uh, to be to, to be honest, personally, like I'm I'm still surprised how much I care. Because I'm not a natural yeah. England fan, like 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 I I can I can give or take, and I'm like obviously it's natural to get more excited during an international tournament, and that happened in the in the summer. But again, it's this they're such a lovely bunch of lads, and they they obviously have got a a love for each other, and 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 Southgate's such a great statesman, sort of in how he manages the players and what he believes in, and how he how he communicates with the with the press. Is that I I do find myself caring for them, and then to the extent that when Glick. Uh, grabbed uh, Kyle Walker's throat. What's that bit called? He didn't grab his. He didn't grab his throat, though, did he? Or did I miss it? It looked like he could have been caressing it. I no, it it's like, like, like a, a, a stroke under the chin. I thought it might be a mm. Polish gesture of conviviality. What's that bit? Is it? Uh, I want to say penarium, but that's something else, isn't it? The Adam's that throat apple. thing. Yeah, it was very strange. It's a, it, 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 but it was it was a very sort of snide thing to do, and I I was surprised that I found myself thinking, Glick, why are you being so sly for? Get off our man. Glick did did seem to choose the role of in, intense pantomime villain in that game, and I quite enjoyed the referee who just let everything go. It was like ah, just you, you know, Grealish stopped complaining, Poland stopped being quite as violent, but I'm going to let most of this go, and it actually made for a really good match. So. Lots of people getting the hump with Camel. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, so uh, no, I, I'm not sure. I've just been pinching in my uh, under chin area, and you know what? It's one of the. It seems to be a zone of the body, or the it's epidermis. Tender, isn't it? uh, no, it's not. Well, mine isn't. Oh. I mean, I'm really giving it a good old tweak, and I'm not feeling anything. So I'm not sure mm. if Carl Walker was even aware in the kind of raptus agonisticus or whatever that he. he would so have you're been saying you're saying if if you yeah. if you if you were doing your your world's strongest man. And somebody had right. to lift something up by that part. Well, I of the mean, neck. obviously, these that, that I mean, that's a different paradigm, isn't it? When you, <laughs> if if say, I don't know, um, if they lifted me up by the neck, I, I think I'd be aware of it. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> that could be an event. Anyway, let's get back to a nice reference. Oz, thanks for that. Uh, good. Uh, any other thoughts? Hey, how about Harry Kane's goal? What happened to Chesney on that? Was that Chesney getting it wrong? I know none of us are goalkeepers, but or was it just the the amount of curl on the you know the the latter part of its trajectory? Yeah, great swaz, wasn't there on the ball? Yeah. Loved it. It was um, it was it was a proper hit, and it did move massively. So yeah, I thought I thought all criticism of Chesney was a touch harsh because none of us could have saved it. But I suppose that's not the right gauge. I, he's a better goalkeeper than most people in the country. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with me today. Yeah, but there you go. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, there you go. A point for England, and they're still pretty comfortable on top of the group. Elsewhere, draws galore for Wales, Republic of Ireland, and Northern Ireland. Wales goalless with Estonia. Same for Northern Ireland with Switzerland. 1-1 for the Republic of Ireland with Serbia, courtesy of a pretty hilarious Serbone goal. Robinson flings in the cross, Egan was up there, oh, it's gone in! It's an own goal! It's gone in off Milenkovic! This will have been all over your site, I should think, Mike. Oh, right in the way, in, in the way out that. It was, it, was, it, was, it was just amazing. It's, it's, it's the way he absolutely goes to pelt it. And it, and it hits his own player and 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 smacks in. But I mean, I I I, I would just willing something good to happen 
for, for for Ireland just because like you can tell that you can tell that obviously there's been a little bit of criticism but you can tell that the players and a lot of the fans still have like faith in the manager and I think that's a, that's a really beautiful wholesome thing and it it just shows that, that that there's a belief that something is is sort of growing and building there and 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 really really you just need a few sort of uh, moments of luck in the short term just to just to sort of mm-hmm. give that a bit of validation in, 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 in at the outset and then hopefully something can can sort of build from there like an international potter i don't mean the person that goes around making clay stuff but graham potter but on the international stage okay. just needs a just needs a result okay also touching to see in the wales game uh, a standing ovation for Gary Speed in the 52nd minute of the, the game against Estonia. He would have been 52 on Wednesday, the much-missed Gary Speed. Uh, well, there you go. With those results, the only winners, in fact, from uh, the teams in and around the British Isles were Scotland, who had a 1-0 victory in Austria, second win in a row, and that puts them in the driving seat for a playoff spot and potentially... A first World Cup appearance since 1998. Nothing can go wrong now. Andrew Slaven joins us to tell us more. Andrew, Lyndon Dykes with the goal from the penalty spot and a 1-0 win away in Austria. They're calling this the biggest Scotland win in a decade and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. You know, if you look back at that goal from James McFadden against France back then was a pretty big moment for, for Scotland's history um, in international tournaments. And do you know what? I mean, you have to look at this game and think that that, that was a must win and certainly a must not lose. Um, it was certainly the same for Austria as well. And you could sense that watching the game that both teams were, were trying their best. And thankfully for us, we got penalty, which seems to be a good thing for Scotland at the moment, especially with Lyndon Dykes on the spot. But it certainly puts us in the best possible position now going into the final four games. Right. If you win the next three, which are against Israel, uh, the Faroe Islands and Moldova, so fingers crossed, that means, I think I'm right, saying that you will have already qualified for a playoff spot before your final game against Denmark, who are pretty scary right now. Israel, our team, we ha- we can't forget, we haven't beaten Israel um, in 90 minutes in our last four games against them. Uh, we had to rely on penalties. So, you know, Israel are, are going to be um, not an easy task, but it is at home um, and we are going to have a raucous Hamden roar. Uh, which is going to be amazing. So I, I, I am confident, but you shouldn't really be being a Scotland fan. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was a really resilient performance, Andrew. Obviously, the three centre-halves did great. Grant Hanley was particularly sort of yeah, resolute. Kieran Tierney, part of that back three. I just want to get your opinion on, on Tierney. If you play the back three, say there was no Andy Robertson, would you still rather have Tierney as part of your back three or would you rather have him as a wing-back? Because I think there is a quandary there for an Arsenal side that, that aren't particularly strong at the back on, on where best to deploy him if they were to use that shape. Do you like him there or, or further forward? I prefer him at left-back. That's his best position, 100%. Um, but he has become more versatile. He's very good going forward, but he can, you know, 
um, he can defend very, very well. It's that's that's his role. That's his job. He got caught out against Denmark. I know that, um, and I know there's been a bit of a mistake in him uh, in recent years. Injuries haven't helped as well, so he's not had loads and loads of game time. But I think I think he's the right person to be put in there, and I think you have to have your best players on your pitch. The argument of having Kieran Tierney or Andrew Robertson, I think it's gone now. I think you know just get them on the field at the same time, Clark seems to um, advocate that now as well um, you know particularly when against Denmark we, we had so little resources he put Robertson on the right um, just to get the best players on, on the pitch um, so I think Kieran Tierney I would, I would keep him there um, and I think he's capable at centre back Alright well it's going to be quite an occasion uh, at uh, Hamden Park next month when Israel turn up Israel as we mentioned mm. before beaten 5-0 a midweek by Denmark, who are kind of doing that to everybody right now. Uh, that's going to be quite an extraordinary match, a key game in the evolution of this Scotland, Andrew. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's hard because Scotland go into international tournaments all the time and get some positive results and then all of a sudden it crumbles and fails away and we don't know where we are anymore. <laughs> so I'm kind of, you know... If we do get the win, then yeah, it's, it's, it's just a next step. We can't get too ahead of ourselves. Even if we do qualify into the playoffs by finishing second, there's still another two ties to go through. So it's not over yet, but we just need to try and stay positive. It's, it's hard for Steve Clark to keep Scottish fans' confidence levels high, but um, certainly after that Austrian performance, they certainly did that. And, and you know what? I, I just want us to score more than two goals against Israel. That's our biggest problem is scoring goals. And I just want us to be, we can be confident on the ball, we can be confident going forward, but we just don't have that cutting edge yet, uh, which gives Scotland fans that hope that we can go into any game and, and boss it. So, fingers crossed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. With Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is handy for when Spurs stop pretending to be this ruthless winning machine and revert back to type. Ready for the fast bit? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please, gamble responsibly. Well, more international stuff in October, but right now it's back to the club action. What's next? Saturday at 3... Oh my, a battle of the bottom two in the Premier League, which always sounds intriguing, even more so when one of those teams is Arsenal. Crikey. Now, Norwich haven't won away at Arsenal since the very first match day of the Premier League back in August 1992. Adrian, do you remember that? I was there, yeah. I think I was, yeah, 17. Yeah. I would have been sat in the paddock just behind the dugouts there, roasting hot in my white shirt and awful... Kipper tie, because that was the thing back back then. I, I would have no doubt shed my sort of velvet blazer that I had at the time, which was an absolute rascal. And yeah, yeah, I, I remember it. It was it was a it was a real off day, I think, for Adams and Baldy. 
and, uh, and Mark Robbins got himself a couple of goals. Yeah, it was um, yeah disastrous start to life in the Premier League because that was the, right. the the first season of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Gunners were two 0 up at half time. Canaries fought back to make it four two. Producer Charlie mentioned that rhythm is a dancer was number one. There we go. So no victories since then, August 1992, for Norwich. But if ever, if ever there was a time to break that run, this is surely it. <laughs> well, that's it. I think I think it's interesting. It's, it's like the two vanquished teams of City. It's, they're both coming together in like some kind of like death match. Um, but it, it'll, it'll be interesting because 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 in theory both teams are supposed to be. The, the type of teams that play football the right I mean I just I was I was about to describe Arsenal as playing football the right way which is mm. a incorrect and b massively patronizing like imagine ever describing Vieira or Petit or that kind of team just sort of like oh they like to play football the right way like in in, in a way it's sort of it's hugely patronizing to describe them in those terms but uh I think I don't know I, I don't know what Adrian feels about like how how it affects um Arteta and how how long he's got left? How many how many bad results he's got left? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Is the short answer? None of us do, but he's under pressure. Absolutely, um, has to be because results dictate, don't they? And 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 Arsenal being in the, in the bottom reaches of the table is not no, well, it's not bottom. a good look. Actually, is it? bottom. Arsenal's Adrian Clark. They're in the bottom reaches. They're in and around the bottom. They're bottom. The bottom, Adrian. All right, they're bottom. They won't be bottom for long because they're going to beat Norwich. But look, <laughs> I don't think they will. They've got the worst XG, the worst XG conceded. They're in the right position in the league. There's a few teams that aren't in their correct positions uh, as it stands, but I think Arsenal are. And I think this is a massive game. If they, if they lost to Norwich at home, hmm. Arteta's not going to survive that, surely. The, the rumours are that they've already agreed terms with, with Antonio Conte, which raises a, a lot of eyebrows for all, all, all sorts of reasons, but it would be it would be an interesting development. Arsenal and Norwich are both currently on nil points with a goal difference of minus nine, which means that were either side to lose this game by four goals, they would then officially have the worst start in Premier League history after four games. Overtaking Swindon. Yes. Mm. Yes, Duncan. Yeah. Yeah, dear. I yeah. don't know. Now they, they didn't lose they didn't lose those first three games well. I think that's that's the, the takeaway. Look, anybody can lose to Chelsea or City, but but what I think you want to see is sort of fight and character and togetherness, bit of spirit, just to give you a little bit more hope. Or if failing that, to see exactly what the what the game plan was and that you could see what they were trying, but it didn't quite work work out. They were a little bit unlucky, but unfortunately, you couldn't you couldn't say any of that after those two those two heavy defeats, really, to, to Chelsea mm. and City. They were as comprehensive as you can get. So look, pressure's on, and if if Norwich were to open the scoring on Saturday, and I'm going to be there, then then I think that the, the, the fan base, which I have to say. Inside right. the stadium, and I know we've only got a small sample size, but those inside the stadium have stuck with the team, have stuck with the manager. If Norwich were to, to score first, it will be interesting to see how they react. It certainly will. Ben White could be available after his spell out with COVID-19. Of course, the big uh, summer signing from Brighton. Also possible debuts for Takahiro Tomoyasu, who's coming from Bologna. And for Norwich, Ozan Kabak. 
Uh, all very exciting. That's three o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, that's at three. Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, <clears throat> of talk about three o'clock kickoffs this week with you know the the United Newcastle game not being televised and etc. Um, this is actually only the third time Arsenal, City, and United have, will all have played at, at three o'clock on the same Saturday um, mm. since the 2000s. So it's pretty rare. Um, in the first two seasons in the Premier League, it happened 24 times. So it does. You know the the three o'clock kickoff for a, for a big team in inverted commas is is pretty rare now. So this is quite an unusual. Um, I would guess it's quite it's quite unlucky given that it's Ronaldo's second debut, but the way it's turned out. But yeah, James, in this three p.m. Saturday kickoff slot, Arsenal are unbeaten in twenty six games. So there you go. Is that yeah, right? When they do play at this time, they're normally all right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Up at the other, or at least we won't. At least until. You know, <laughs> later on. <laughs> Up at go. the other end of the table, it's Spurs, of course, who Antonio Conte could have joined. Must be kicking himself. Under Nuno Espirito Santo, they are the only Premier League team with a 100% winning record, three wins out of three. They're also the only team in England's top four divisions yet to concede a goal. Spurs are taking on Crystal Palace and uh, there's ooh, question marks over a human son picked up a calf injury on international duty with South Korea. Kane's in form, we know that. Palace could be handing a debut to Odson Edouard, who they brought in from Celtic. Top scorer in the Scottish Premiership for the last two seasons. Adrian, how dangerous will he be? I quite like him. I did a piece on him recently, um, analysing sort of what he brings to the table. He's got a great first touch. And I think that that will definitely help the new style of play under Vieira because they want suddenly they want to pass uh, through the thirds. They want to knock the ball around. And I think that he will will link play really nicely for them. But he's not been brought in specifically for that. It's, it's because of his finishing. We know that Palace have lacked goal scorers in recent years. So much reliance on Zaha and, and Benteke to some degree. So he's he's someone that, that can finish. Um Looked at the goals that he scored last season. Real variety. Uh, lots of one-touch finishes. So he's, he's pretty sharp inside the, the box, especially from low crosses. Um, but, but I also noted that he scored three or four goals from outside the box. So if Spurs were to stand off him or any team in the coming weeks were to stand off him, that's dangerous because I think he's capable of drilling one into the corner from from range. So now I think, I think it's a really smart signing. Good price as well for, for, for a goal scorer. The only caveat is that it's it's that big step up, isn't it? And and how many chances will he get at Celtic? He could miss a few, and it was all right because he'd get the more chances would come his way. Here, he's going to have to be a lot more ruthless. Uh, and if mm-hmm. he isn't, how much would that impact on his confidence? So, uh, yeah, wishing the best of luck. All right, up against the top defence currently in the Premier League. That game coming up Saturday lunchtime. Elsewhere this weekend, Scott Carson in goal for Man City. Claxon. Leicester will be hosting Pep Guardiola's side Saturday at three o'clock. Edison has been banned currently by the Brazilian FA, or at least by FIFA at request of the Brazilian FA, for not turning up to their match. Zach Steffen tested positive for COVID-19 while with the USA, which means that Scott Carson is due for only his second appearance with City. His first, I'm not sure if you missed this, came back on uh, the 14th of May. Worryingly, uh, City shipped 3-2 Newcastle that day, but emerged 4-3 winners. Nice for Scott to have a run out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are other options. They've got apparently got two 
other options, one called Kieran Slicker and one called Mickey Van Sass, um, which is a great name. I mean, if I had to change my name, I think I might change it to Mickey Van Sass. Slicker would be great, though, because it's City, no? Yeah, yeah. The headlines write themselves. It sounds like it sounds like a great detective duo as well, Slicker and Sass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was their last day in the job. They just had to keep a clean sheet against Leicester, and yeah. guess what happened? Slicker does stuff by the book, but Sass has got a mouth on him. Yeah. I mean, he's an absolute maverick. <laughs> So uh, how, how do you think they're going to get on? Uh, whoever it is takes the field for Pep against uh, Leicester, who have a terrific record against Man City. They've won two of their last three meetings, most recently the Community Shield. Uh, also, City, I read, have lost all of their last four matches away from the Etihad. That's the Community Shield, that Champions League final, and their last two Premier League away games. They won't have Gabriel Jesus as it stands because of this FIFA ban situation. What do you think? Yeah, like you say, Leicester are, do have a pretty good record against um, against City. They've also won three of the last five uh, Premier League games at King Power against the reigning champions. Obviously, beat Liverpool last season. Um, and Vardy, who I know I predicted wouldn't score as many goals this season, but he's um, he scored more league goals against uh, Pep Guardiola than any other player ever has, uh, including two hat tricks. Really? So. Yeah, and if City do have Carson or one of the detectives in goal, then I think you know Vardy will be licking his lips. So <laughs> looking forward to it. But again, it's at three o'clock, so you know. Mm. But will he get any chances? Because I had a look at some of the stats ahead of this game, and Leicester, believe it or not, six points on the board have created the fewest chances of anyone in the league, even less than Palace, who've barely had a shot. So yeah, it's it's not been that impressive from from the Foxes. It's a really strange lead, but other than Arsenal, who, as we discussed, probably should be bottom based on their numbers. You know, Wolves Wolves should probably be, you know, top four, but aren't. Um, Tottenham have only four teams have created fewer open play chances than Spurs, and yet they're top and haven't let in a goal. So I think there's going to be a lot of, um, the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of kind of reorganisation of the of the league table. I think a few teams will, will climb up or, or slip down. So, uh, but yeah, City, City invariably, their numbers are good, so... Okay. Will their numbers be good this Saturday at three o'clock, Duncan? Call it. No, it's going to be two-two. Okay. All right. More Premier League next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Noz, what game do you really, really feel inspired by this weekend, apart from the ones we've already discussed? You can have Leeds, Liverpool, Chelsea, Villa, 
Uh, ooh, Brentford Brighton, or perhaps Saints West Ham, or even Watford Wolves. Um, I hate to be boring, but but Leeds Leeds versus Liverpool it looks a bit right. tastier. Um, I'm I'm actually really intrigued by uh, Harvey Elliott and the fact that he's he's constrained to the team. Like, I, I mean, I I'm I'm by no means. Uh, a sort of tactical expert or anything, but like th- th- I just loved like he's such an aesthetically pleasing footballer. In that respect, he reminds me of Grealish. Just the way he moves, just the way he his passes. Um, he he always, I think I think as football fans, quite often, especially if you're at the ground, you can see the pass that you want the player to make, and because of your view, you can see uh, the pass better than the player. He's the, he's the type of player that will play the pass you don't see. Um, mm. And it's just interesting. It's, it's interesting where his future lies, whether it's it's further forward or in that midfield. But just the fact that that uh, Klopp obviously trusts him already, um, and and I, and I wonder, I wonder whether he could sort of develop into like the next Grealish, that 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 player who's not perhaps got the lightning speed, but can dribble past players, is a playmaker, almost like a a Rui Costa type player. He can score goals, no doubt about that. He showed that in the championship. He's got a decent, decent finish on him. Um, yeah, I think he's he's a hybrid between that sort of attacking box to box midfielder or one of the three up top for Liverpool. He can fit into both. So that that's another reason for Klopp to love him, I guess. Um, I do fancy Liverpool in this game. Got to say, mm-hmm. um, their away record was great last season. In a, in a very average season, they I think they only lost once on the road to to top ten teams. Um, won a lot of those matches. They're unbeaten in quite a long time. And as we know, Leeds, Leeds are, sh- are shocking, aren't they, at defending set pieces, corners, wide free kicks. Leeds fans sort of have kittens every time they concede one. And and against Burnley last weekend, they look wobbly again. They, they clearly haven't been able to, to, to fix that, that issue. And Liverpool look really good at corners and wide free kicks. Van yeah. Dijk and Matip are massive. And we know the deliveries are great. I just, I think Liverpool could sort of wreak havoc from those at the weekend. Yeah, that was a big loss they had last season with all the all the changes. They really, you know, compared to some teams, they did rely quite a lot on set-piece goals. And I think only Brighton this season have created more chances from corners than Liverpool. So, yeah, I think you're, you're completely right. It's a massive weapon to have, particularly Van Dijk back, so... I'm I'm fascinated by the Daniel James transfer, um, obviously coming from United, um, just for the fact that I don't think there's ever been a situation where a, a player has moved from two massive rivals like that and everyone seems to like him. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> like, y- y- usually, if, if it's sort of fierce rivals, either the team where he's going to don't want that player because he's tainted with the previous club or um, the club that's selling... Um, the fans feel as if like he's a traitor and he's crossed the line. But um, there's something about Daniel James, and I, I don't know if the fact he's so such a wholesome character and he tries so hard and he's not let anyone down that everyone seems to love him. Like whether it's Leeds fans, United fans, or anyone, and and even even United fans who felt he wasn't quite of the quite good enough to play for United. Um, and and didn't feel he had the potential to, to to become that player. Like even even they can sort of concede that like he's he's a he's a really nice lad. And and there's they perhaps don't go as far as say good luck at Leeds, but the the, the goodwill is 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 pretty unique. Which camp do you belong to, Nos? 
I uh, he's he's one of these players that I I I I like just because he tries so hard and and he does mm. a lot of selfless stuff for the team, um, even in terms of tracking back. But um, yeah, I, I I don't quite feel he had everything in his locker to be the player that United need. Um, if he, obviously he's got the pace, but like he didn't have his his technical ability wasn't um, good enough to perhaps. Um, sort of a counter the fact that he's not the biggest like if he if he was physically imposing or if he was a powerful runner that that would make a difference but i just i think he's a really talented player and he and he has got a higher ceiling than people think but perhaps he just came at the wrong time and 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 that 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 thing that makes him going to Leeds romantic in the fact that uh, he almost did uh, in 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 the famous all or nothing documentary like perhaps perhaps history is being uh, corrected maybe he was meant to go there and he was meant to do really well there and it, it was just the wrong time to come to united to manchester united what nor said about him being a trier is bang on um i did, did some analysis on dan james um earlier in the week and only one player made more sprints per match last season than dan james so he, if anyone's going to fit in with bielsa and and that sort of hard work that that, that he he makes the players get through then I think it is Dan James Ollie Burke who obviously is now in the championship he had the most sprints per 90 a ridiculous amount but I think that was mainly because he, he came off the bench and, and, and to some degree I suppose Dan James that, that that might have swayed his stats but he was averaging 29 sprints per game right behind him is Rafinha of Leeds so you think about those two guys working in tandem Oof. maybe on each each wing they are going to torment teams when, when they're both fit and available I think Right. Well, when they're available, which won't be this weekend, as it stands, once again, hashtag FIFAgate, uh, Rafinha is currently banned for this fixture, as is for Liverpool, Alisson, Fabinho and Firmino. Crikey. Was a bit of a classic at Anfield last season. And when they met at Ellen Road in the return, it was just after the European Super League business. Do you remember? And the Leeds players that, did the warm-up yeah. wearing T-shirts, Champions League, earn it. And then they left those shirts in the Liverpool dressing room and the whole thing collapsed shortly afterwards. Duncan? That was the lowest point I've ever had watching Premier League football, I think, that game. Because not right. only was it behind closed doors and the Super League had kind of undermined the whole edifice. It was just like, what's the point? Remember that Monday Night Football did some amazing analysis and then they, at two minutes to eight, said, let's cross to the game. And it just carried on. Because, you know, but luckily everything turned out fine and it's all good now. So that's good. Good. All right. Chelsea are playing Villa. Martinez and Buendia are both isolating. They did go to Argentina for their game, but because it's a red zone country, they, 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 you know, they have to stay at home. Uh, and, uh, oh, Villa took four points off Chelsea last season. But uh, was that this Chelsea? I'm not sure. Anyway, looking forward to seeing how that game turns out. But let's turn our thoughts quickly to Brentford and Brighton. Two teams with a lot in common. They both had good starts to the season, although Brighton got knocked back a bit last time out by Everton. Uh, They're both owned by former City traders turned sports betting tycoons. Matthew Benham at Brentford and Tony Bloom at Brighton. And Benham used to work for Bloom after he left the City to, uh, to go into the sports betting business. Benham and Bloom sounds like the BBC remake of Sass and uh, a band <laughs> Sass and Slicker, doesn't it? Like, it's not quite as good. They haven't, didn't have the budget, but, you know, yeah. pretty good acting performances. So. Yeah. Right. Ben, Benham and Bloom also have beef. Did you know that? That's Don't right. Know, they, but they, nobody they knows why, do they, Adrian? Do you know why? 
I read that All right. um, he left, basically he left. Uh, Benham left the company that Bloom uh, was working uh, working for, they were both working for. Well, it was his, and, his, yeah. yeah, it was his company, no? Yeah, Bloom basically, yeah, yeah, I think he was perceived as a, a sort of disloyal act because he went and set up something quite similar elsewhere. So, right. so I think there's a, yeah, I think, I mean, there's de- they're definitely not best buddies. No, uh, uh, Benham set up uh, Smart Odds, while Tony Bloom famously has Star Lizard, uh, named after his uh, poker-playing identity. I actually, um, many years ago, met Tony Bloom when he was notable as a as a top-level poker player known as the Lizard. The Lizard, there you go. Uh, which one do you have posters on the wall of at, at Opta? Is it Matthew Benham, Duncan? Because they're both big kind of analytical uh, approach fans. Yeah, well, I think... I think it's quite an interesting fixture, this, because if you think about it historically, Brentford v Brighton is a League One game. It, I mean, it really is. But if you look at how football has changed in the UK in the last 20 years, obviously the the hotbeds of football, the North East, Yorkshire, you know, Midlands, a lot of those places have really lost clubs at the top level. Um, and clubs like Brentford, uh, Brighton, Southampton, Bournemouth, you know, they've got big catchment areas. Brentford not so much, but Brentford do a really good job at sort of sweeping up Premier League B players. Um, and it's, you know, that not only is, I guess, it's followed wealth slightly, but also Brentford and Brighton have both shown that, um, you know, you can get to the top level through careful management and careful use of data and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting fixture. This fixture has been played in every division until, and except the top flight until until this hmm. weekend. Interesting. I'd, I'd, interesting. I'd usually have no interest in this game, uh, but uh, since watching people just do nothing... Uh, I've got a soft spot for for Brentford because of corrupt FM, right? Because yeah. it's based around there, and yeah, I did, I'm I'm late to it, but I'm a convert. Amazing show. I've never seen it, Noz. Oh, it's so it. good. Sh- should I watch it? Yeah, it's in, it's Adrian, incredible. Have you seen people just do nothing. I haven't seen it. No, never even heard right, of it. You and I yeah, got to get catch up on that. I'm I'm still catching up on The Sopranos, everyone. So that's I've not I'm seen at. The Wire. All right. Goodness me. Anyway, listener, yeah, we'll move on. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> on a similar big smoke against South Coast tip, you've also got Southampton against West Ham uh, this weekend. Saints had that 2-2 draw at Newcastle in the previous round. They're still waiting for their first league win of the season. West Ham unbeaten, but they were also held 2-2 last time out. That was Crystal Palace. This game presumably will feature the red-hot Mikel Antonio up against his old club, he won the only silverware of his career so far at Saints a long time ago, back in 2010, the Johnston's Paint Trophy. Crikey. Nowadays, as a Premier League bona fide superstar, he's leading the league for goals and shots and is second, Tony Paul Pogba, in the number of assists. Wow. Can I throw one more set of numbers at you before you get excited about that? Uh, he also had to make a 10,500-mile round trip this week to make his Jamaica debut, they lost 3-0 against Panama. Crikey. Mikel Antonio, everyone. What a player. He's, yeah, he's, just, he's just developed into the, the all-action centre-forward hero, hasn't he? And look, I think he'll be rubbing his hands um, at the prospect of, of getting at Southampton's defence. They have been conceding goals. Long, long time since they were consistently keeping clean sheets. And yeah, no no team in the calendar year has, has earned fewer points than Southampton. So if you're the, the most informed centre forward in the Premier League, you want to be playing Southampton this weekend. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can deliver with jet lag. 
with jet lag. I'd, I'd completely... Did you know that he was a former Saints player? <laughs> Do you know what? I cannot picture him in the Southampton shirt. I can't. I, right. I can picture him playing for Colchester, but not Southampton. Mm. It's, a, it's a strange one. That one kind of passed me by. You as well, I guess. I think you... Yeah. I think he's got something to prove as well because, like, after that amazing celebration that he had with the cardboard cutout, <laughs> the fact he the fact he didn't know it was Dirty Dancing and thought it was uh, yeah. what did he th- what did he think it was? Save the last dance. Save the like, last it totally dance, ruined yeah. it for me. It sullied it for me that celebration. You, so yeah. How many times do you think he thought of that on the on the long flight <laughs> there? But I bet he was just like, oh, I'd swap. But imagine if he switched on the in-flight right. entertainment and what comes yeah. up is Dirty Dancing. Oh my god. <laughs> And didn't he hold it? He held it the wrong way as well because the fans inside the stadium because they had to see the back. And it, it wasn't for the, I think the, he got, the fans. He got the that wrong as well, didn't he? So, the cameras. Yeah. Where it's yeah, happened, he's thinking yeah. of the cameras. That's it. Yeah. We could have got a double-sided one, really. I mean, you know, you're that confident, you're going to go. Bit to tight, would you put yeah. if you if you did that? Would you put the same on both sides, or would you have your backside on the backside? Because <laughs> that would have your name on the shirt as well, so it would work. Just, you know. Anyway, Watford Wolves is another of those Saturday three o'clock games. Watford off to a great start this season, at least for the first 70 minutes of their game against Aston Villa. They were leading 3-0. Since then, though, it's been a complete downward spiral. They've conceded five goals without reply as they prepare to face the kind of statistical enigma that is Bruno Large's Wolves. Duncan. Yeah, I mean, as we said before, well, I don't understand Wolves. They, they're breaking every model out there. I mean, if you look at chances created from open play, which is a, generally a pretty good way of seeing good teams, um, Liverpool and Manchester City have created 42, and the only team that's done as many as Wolves also with 42. So they haven't scored, they haven't got a point. Something's got to change, um, and you presume it will be this weekend against Watford because, you know, Raul Jimenez has looked a little bit rusty, unsurprisingly, mm. but he's getting into the right positions and, you know, it, it will happen. Dim people like me who don't really get analytics would say, well, if they're creating loads of chances but not scoring any, that's probably just that people can't finish very well and maybe Raul Jimenez, God bless him, after his terrible injury, is not done. quite at it. Well, I mean, no. at the moment, it may be taking a bit longer to, to get back to kind of peak Jimenez-ness. Yeah, true, and that probably is part of the reason. But it, the fact is, if you keep creating that amount of chances, it's not yeah. going to carry on. That I mean, I find Vicarage Road quite a, a creepy stadium now, in a sense, because if you, for me, the whole current paradigm <laughs> began. They beat they beat Liverpool three uh, nil on, on February the twenty ninth, Ferran Torres's fifth birthday, um, two years ago, and that was obviously one of the last games before. Sorry, the, did you say the fifth pandemic. birthday? Yeah, because his 29th of February is only celebrated five birthdays, ah, technically. So, um, right, okay. But that that match obviously ended that incredible run from Liverpool. And I think Wolves can kind of restore some sort of parity to the universe by ending their, their unluckiness at Vicarage Road. I think there's a, there's a kind of ley line outcome that, that we can all get behind. OK. Watford have a tremendous home record, by the way, under Cisco Munoz. There's another Munoz for you, Munoz. Uh, they've played 15 games there at the creepy uh, vicarage, and they've only lost one. Mm. Are we are we basically are we basically saying that that uh, Wolves zero points is more impressive than Arsenal zero points, or, or or sort of points to more optimism? Do you think? It's a good point. I think if you look at the bottom three, they've all got zero points. Arsenal very bad. Norwich 
you know, kind of in the middle, and Wolves should not be in the bottom three with zero points. Um, you, you could probably replay Wolves and Spurs this season, and obviously Spurs beat Wolves, and they could be in, you know, reverse positions, um, and it wouldn't be outlandish. So, yeah, I, Wolves will improve, but let's hope they can do it this weekend. Mm. Well, don't let Daniel's story catch you looking at the table before October. Yeah, that, I hate uh, that attitude. Sorry, Daniel. Really? That's the well, yeah, because the whole point of league. Look at league table at Christmas. Oh, look, the big four, the big six are up there. League tables early in the season are great. You know, Blackpool are, right. are there and Hull are up there, and you know it's good. That's when they're fun. Mm. I think I also think I also think it's important to have tables. Otherwise, Adrian would say that Norwich are one of the best teams in the country. Um, and we need yeah. to have divisions of, of that, 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 that put things into context. <laughs> this is very true. Very true indeed. All right, excellent. Uh, also uh, enjoying looking at the table right now are Everton, who will finish off this Premier League round on Monday night. They're at home to Burnley. And uh, they apparently can have Richarlison playing, even though he didn't go to the Brazil game because... Everton previously allowed him to play for the Brazilian national side in the Olympics, so that's okay. I don't know. It's all very confusing, and none of these bans may actually happen. We'll touch on that game more on Monday, perhaps, in our Monday Totally Football show. Some news about which, very, very shortly. First of all, though, let's get some odds from Paddy Power with producer Charlie. Greetings, listener. How are you? I'm sure many of you miss the Premier League unless you're an Arsenal fan or a Norwich fan. Yes, outside of Old Trafford, all eyes are on the bottom two. Carl Monaghan from Paddy Power, I ask you, can the Canaries win at Arsenal for the first time since August 1992? Well, the Sharks are circling a certain Spaniard, Charlie, and the pressure is definitely on. This game on paper looks the perfect opportunity for Arteta to buy himself some much-needed time as September could be a good month for the Gunners if they can get some momentum going. But it's also a double-edged sword, this fixture, as quite frankly, a loss or even an uninspired sharing of the spoils could be enough to see Arteta finally walk the plank. He is the 4-9 favourite, Charlie, to be the next Premier League manager to leave his post. In terms of the Norwich attack, there is no real Fox or Mark Robbins this time round for Arsenal to contend with. But the Canaries did play well against Leicester last time out, and Pookie is up and running after converting a pen in that 2-1 defeat to the Foxes. To answer the question you posed at the start, Charlie, no, I don't think Norwich will win, but I think they're great value for a draw at 130 against a fragile Arsenal who may well be privately preparing mentally for a new voice in the dressing room very soon. I've got my eyes on Stamford Bridge, Chelsea Villa, Romelu Lukaku in front of the home fans for the first time since re-signing. There's no Emmy Martinez, he nearly caused an international incident. Will Rom run rampant? Yeah, he may well do just that, Charlie. He scored a couple against Estonia last week and then followed it up with another strike against the Czechs last Sunday, which was his 67th international goal. So he's in the mood, definitely, despite being on a never-ending mission to address the doubters on social media. His latest tweet, Charlie, was mindset is key to most things, no matter how hard the struggle is and what BS people are saying out there. Keep going. So, Lukaku, with this new monk-like focus, Charlie, is one to be feared. We here at Paddy Power can picture him smashing one past the villain number two, Jed Steer. We've made him 21-10 to 10, and the favourite to be the first goal scorer. And if that doesn't satisfy your needs, he's also the favourite in the top goal scorer market, Charlie, at a price of 100-30, to 30, ahead of the likes of Salah, Ronaldo and Kane. 
You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Now, uh, next Monday's totally is going to be up listener a little bit later uh, than of late. Uh, this is due to someone uh, now being a bit busy on a Sunday night rounding up Syria action. Uh, my apologies for that disruption, uh, but I do hope you enjoy our new direction. Uh, it'll be up essentially kind of lunchtime-ish on, on Monday. Uh, yes, again, apologies if that uh, wreaks havoc with your fans. But on the plus side, if you do fancy it, 7 o'clock Sunday night, you can now join me and Horndog doing all the weekend's news and goals from Syria. Uh, this weekend, for example, we'll be bringing you the action from Napoli-Juve, which is 5 o'clock on Saturday, and Milan-Lazio, big games, which is Sunday tea time. And then at 7.45, our uh, our first Sunday night live game. Do you know what it is? Of course they don't listen. Why would they? It's Roma-Sassuolo, though. Yes, Roma-Sassuolo. I'm excited about this because it's Tammy Abraham, who's been the star yeah. of the opening two rounds in, in Italy. And Jose Mourinho, a man who knows a little bit about Sass himself, and uh, who's been having a brilliant time of it. And other stars like Lorenzo Pellegrini. Anyway, yeah. And they're both, surprisingly, playing really open, attractive football. Will you be tuning in, Noz? Oh, definitely. If For you, if nothing else. Um, oh, I, I'm, I'm also... I'm also interested to see how um, Mourinho's uh, Instagram game will reflect his performances because mm. you, you kind you kind of see that when things are going well he's he's like a, like mm. a jocular uncle like uh, we, we we've had the recent one with the with the pizza but when things are going bad I mean the best you get out of him is just looking moody on the on the coach back must do yeah. better or something so yeah so I, I kind of the th- the thing with Mourinho is for all his faults he's 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 able to be incredibly charming and likable when he wants to be. Mm. Um, so yeah, so let's hope for let's hope there's more of that. Most recently, telling Xhaka uh, to get vaccinated, which you know is a positive message. Oh, but all, all, the, all the thing with that is that is that he said uh, he said like get vaccinated and then hope you get better or something like that. And then Zaka just took the like like get well soon sort of message. He didn't comment on the actual vaccination. So uh, mm. he was he was a bit cagey in that respect. And it's not like Zaka right. to be cagey about anything. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, that's what I'm going to be doing on Sunday. Any of you got exciting plans for your weekend? I am going to be, well, I'll be at Emirates on Saturday, but on Sunday for the radio, I'm going to be at Chris Hewton's last game in charge of Nottingham Forest uh, when they play Cardiff City. And um, yeah, so so that could be quite a, quite an interesting occasion if they lose. If they lose, they did pick up a point last time, Adrian, against. They did, yeah, in the, in the derby against Derby. But yeah, look, Chris Hewton's yeah, he, he's not got the backing of the Forest support at the moment. I know that, and I think a defeat against Cardiff, who I think would be favourites there, might spell, it might spell the end. Duncan, what are you up to? I'll be uh, watching the M40 Classico Britain's leading derby about a mid-ranking British motorway, uh, Oxford Wickham. So let's hope <coughs> the best team wins. All right. And Noz? Well, uh, apart from producing amazing content for Project Football. Um, nice. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what, this weekend will be far better than last weekend because I went to Soccer Aid and it was the most... Did you? It was the most soulless... Yeah. 
I, oh, because wow. I went because my sister, my sister and nephew wanted to go, and like I know it's for right. charity, and I, I know that people who are involved like do it for the right reasons. But hmm. if you, if because because I watch any football, but it, it's not football, and it's just. I thought you liked watching people in their late thirties run around playing football. I thought that was the new the new vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Nas, who who was in the soccer aid teams? I couldn't tell you most of them. There was somebody really? called Youngblood. With red hair, right. that was sort of like uh, the, the weird thing is that even even the little kids that were dead enthusiastic, they lost interest. And in the end, most of the interest was coming in because the tickets were on A4 pieces of paper, and it was and everyone was just making um, paper airplanes and trying to get it on the pitch. So like there was there was a hmm. random cheers for when like something near, nearly nearly got to the got to the playing area. But yeah, it was just it just dismal. It's not and 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 half time half time went on for like forty minutes. Game's what? gone. The, the soccer aid game has gone. Yeah. Yeah. The only good, well, not the only good thing about soccer aid, raises a lot of money for charity, but the. I know, yeah. Things, we've uh, we've analysed it in the past, so I'm not sure if uh-huh. we did this time, but it means that in the database, alongside your Ronaldo's and your Messi's and your Maradona's, <laughs> your Robbie Williams and etc., your Lee Max have got player ID numbers, so it, it's quite. Brilliant. You know, sometimes I just like to, to look and go, well. We're all the same deep down, right? But we're not. I thought, I thought Adrian giving Gareth Southgate a kicking was going to be the, you know, morally the low point of this show. But it turns out <laughs> that we can have a go at charities too. So there you go. <laughs> nice one, nice. Excellent. Anyway, uh, that wraps it up then for today's show. Uh, do make sure that you join us around about Monday lunchtime. Uh, listener for our reaction to the weekend for now many many thanks to Duncan to Adrian and to Noz and producer Charlie hope everyone has a terrific weekend with everything they get up to and for now from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.